Hello, and welcome to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. My name is Jonathan Rosenfeld, an attorney at Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, LLC. This podcast is here to break down the barriers when it comes to the world of personal injury law. Each podcast will go into detail about a specific legal issue or type of personal injury case, from everyday occurrences to the esoteric. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. For more information, visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Personal Injury Podcast. Today, I am joined by Marty Gould, a good friend and colleague, and we are here today to talk about sexual abuse lawsuits in the church and what is sexual abuse. Uh, Marty, first off, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Uh, Marty, uh, for those of us who don't really have a full understanding of the, the breadth of this, this issue, can you give us some background and give us a sort of a, a short explanation about what sexual, sexual abuse is, at least in the eyes of the law? So in, oftentimes when people talk about sexual abuse in a, in a lawsuit context, it often refers to childhood sexual abuse. It includes uh, uh, really abuse of you know, many different types of abuse. So it's, it's uh, could be fondling, uh, oral sex, penetration of any kind, but it can also be showing somebody pornography. Uh, John, you and I have a case out in California where a teacher was sending explicit text messages and, and, and photographs to a student. You know, that is considered sexual abuse under the law. Uh, and it's a basis for, for a lawsuit. Uh, it can also include, um, you know, emotional abuse. So, it, so it includes the grooming aspect that happens before the actual physical contact. And in, in lawsuits, it, it, it's a broad definition. Um, anything that can be considered sexual uh, that happens to a child under the age of eighteen years old. Now, one of the emerging issues in the area of sexual abuse litigation is really cases involving the church. Um, can we talk a little bit about the cases that are involved, the church and sexual abuse involving clergy and the priests, um, what that those cases typically involve? Most of those lawsuits uh, involve institutional negligence claims against the church. Uh, so in every lawsuit, you can sue the, the perpetrator uh, but in a civil case, all you can get is financial compensation. Uh, so a large part of the case is against the institution for covering up abuse, for protecting pedophiles or suspected pedophiles, uh, for failing to investigate allegations of abuse. Uh, the, the, the claims are often brought in terms of negligent hiring, uh, for not doing the proper investigation to a potential priest who's moving to your parish. So many times, a lot of these priests may have had allegations against them in a different diocese or even in a different state. Uh, like in many of our cases, they came from California or Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, usually they're being shipped out of there for a reason. The new diocese that's taking them in has an obligation to call the former employer and say, hey, why, why is this guy leaving? What happened? Um, and, you know, they, and then if they know of any allegations of abuse, they have an obligation to investigate 
uh, and to warn the public if there's credible allegations. Uh, and that's unfortunately uh, something that didn't happen for many, many decades. Uh, priests were moved from one parish to another without warning uh, the parishioners about this person's history and they continued to abuse children time and time again. Now, is a church official, uh, do church officials have an obligation to report uh, episodes of abuse if they're a witness to something in their organization, in their church, in their school? Do they have some type of legal obligation to report the abuse to authorities? In many states, they do. So the laws have progressed over time. Uh, and every state's law can be a little bit different. Uh, but for the most part, clergy are now considered mandatory reporters. So whether they hear about abuse in a confessional uh, or whether they are reported abuse from the, the survivor themselves or from a parent, they have an obligation to report it. Typically, the law would require them to report it to the Department of Children and Family Services within that state uh, or even law enforcement. Um, and you know, if, if the Department of Children and Family Services uh, becomes aware of it, they do their own investigation uh, and it's a separate investigation that's uh, typically also done by law enforcement. And, and if the allegations are proven to be uh, true, criminal charges are brought uh, and ideally um, there's criminal consequences. Now, in the issue of a clergy sexual abuse lawsuit, uh, we're generally talking about monetary damages. And when we're talking about monetary damages, you know, we're trying to put a value on the restitution uh, to the individual and the harm to the individual. Um, and can you talk a little bit about what the damages are in these cases and how the church in general in the past has valued these types of cases? Childhood sexual abuse is probably the most heinous crime that can be committed. Uh, we're talking about children that are you know, uniquely vulnerable. Uh, when it's a religious leader like a priest, um, you know, the child is taught to respect and to listen to that authority. Um, and that breach of that trust coupled with the physical and emotional abuse can cause devastating consequences. Um, and legally, you're allowed to recover for emotional distress, uh, psychological trauma, and physical pain and suffering or emotional pain and suffering. Um, and those injuries are, um, we, we articulate those injuries to the other side um, through the testimony of our clients, but also through counselors. Um, many times, uh, a lot of survivors end up using drugs to cope with what happened. And uh, we, we get those records and, and explain to the church because of what happened, they, they went down a certain path and they, they became addicted to certain drugs to cope with what happened. And that's all part of the damages aspect um, that we seek compensation from the church. So, you know, the church in the past, you know, can you, can you give us an idea as to the... Uh, the payments that the church has made on some of these cases, not necessarily on an individual basis, but in general, you know, this has been a pretty substantial problem for the, for the church. And, you know, we're sort of, you know, 
focusing right now on the on the Catholic Church, but the truth is, is that this can be any religious institution. But um, you know, the amount of payments that have gone on over the past you know several decades have been substantial. Um, do you have any idea about these payments and about you know the type of damages we're talking about here? Legally, when somebody commits a harm against you, well, whether it's caused by the negligence of the religious institution, you know, whether it's a Catholic church, a synagogue, a temple, um, or whoever, you can recover what's called uh, economic, non-economic damages. So we can get compensation for the psychological trauma and harm, the lost earning capacity, um, you know, lost income that that person might've had had they finished school or done things in a different way when they weren't dealing with that abuse. Recoveries have been significant. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been paid in these cases across the country. Um, and you know that's why it's important to go find a lawyer who can assess your case, work up your case and articulate to the other side how this has dramatically impacted your life. And if you haven't done counseling yet, you know many people because they don't come forward earlier because they're afraid they may not be believed or it's a repressed memory and they haven't done counseling yet, uh, that doesn't mean you didn't have an injury, and that doesn't mean that we can't articulate to the uh, church or, or whomever how it's impacted you. Now, one of the things that, you know, victims frequently come forward and ask is, you know, what type of help is out there uh, for me to help, you know, help me recover from this episode? And, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, hey, you know what, you know, you do some treatment and, and move on. But the truth is, is that these people really have lifelong, lifelong issues. Um, can you just give out a few resources available for someone who's a victim of abuse? There's many great networks out there in survivor groups that can help victims and survivors. Uh, one of the ones that I've worked with in the past, and I've had many clients uh, be a part of, is called the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, also known as SNAP. And it's a, a support group of survivors of clergy sexual abuse and their supporters throughout the country. Uh, and if you reach out, you can engage in uh, you know, support groups. You can also try and find counseling through them. Uh, there's also an organization called Bishop Accountability, which documents uh, a lot of allegations of abuse. And it's a good resource in terms of finding out more information about what went on in your specific uh, parish or diocese, religious order. Um, there's an organization called Drug Rehab, uh, another one called the Addiction Center, Road to Recovery, Campus Safety, all great organizations that help people deal with some of the traumas and deal with, with addictions that are often associated with, with the traumas. And then of course, uh, counseling with, with an attorney who can help direct you to possible counseling through the institution. You know, we can sometimes get the institution to pay for your counseling if you don't have health insurance. Um, so there's di many different great networks out there uh, and, and resources where you can get support to help move past this. Well, certainly there's, there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel for some of these people. Um, Marty, I really appreciate you sharing with us today your insight on this important topic, and I want to thank you for your time. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for listening to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rosenfeld. If you or anyone you know would like more information on any of the topics on the podcast, 
please visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Please feel free to rate the show and leave a review. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 